Hi there, everyone. It's Gary here. Welcome back to Think Curiously Podcast. If you're a regular listener, by now you'll know how much I enjoy speaking about psychological and philosophical topics. And this week, trust me, is no different, even though we do go back in time a bit. But if you're a new podcast listener, welcome along. Thank you so much for choosing Think Curiously. I would suggest that you would take a look back through our back catalogue just to catch up with some of the topics we've spoken about, because we do reference topics from previous podcasts now and then and it would be good for you to be to be in the know of that and also you can check us out across all the social media platforms that's facebook instagram tiktok now believe it or not uh linkedin and twitter did i say twitter i'm not too sure anyway now the introductions are out of the way let's take a deep dive into this week's episode during the midst of lockdown 2021 january 2021 i teamed up with a good friend of mine darren wallace to create Changemakers NI. We had an aim and our aim was to create a multimedia platform set up to bring conversations to the fore that have been hidden from view somewhat by society. We discuss topics like grief or experiences of that or reactions to it. You can also find that topic actually in the back catalogue here. Um, I think it might have been in season three where I had Darn on and we spoke about grief and our experiences of that. We also spoke about topics such as emotional control, the power of journaling or previous experiences of that. And we host a number of TED Circles events, one particularly on authenticity that we actually released as a podcast. We didn't quite read through the publishing guidelines that TED Talk had sent us. We got a nasty, not a nasty email, but we got an email a few months later. They must troll through whatever's hashtagged on Facebook and all the social media pages. And they found our podcast episode and we actually had to remove that because it was against the podcast in, or sorry, the publishing guidelines that TED Talks had created at that stage. So that's no longer in existence. And hopefully, well, we never know, as, as this year pans out, we may decide to get back on and do our TED Circles event because it definitely was an interesting conversation to have. But we recorded so many conversations at that time that we never properly released. We had a few bits and bobs that we released, but we never actually sat down and had a proper publishing schedule. And the topic we're going to speak about today kind of falls in that category a little bit. We did release it, the video format of it, but we never released a podcast episode. This week, we're going to jump back in time to 25th of January 2021, which is exactly a year ago from when I'm recording this introduction now. We're going to listen to how Darren and I discuss society's relationship with material possessions, a conversation that came about just having a general chit-chat with Darren about how much happiness we we as, as, as humans place upon material things, it's also informed through my readings in Stoic philosophy and, and my understanding of how it helped me during a, a period of of, uh, of change, I guess, uh, previous to that. And uh, yeah, so the conversation happened in the front living room. We had a few cameras about, so you'll hear us referencing cameras now and then in it as to what camera we're looking at. And it's the first time that we've done that. So I guess it was kind of like a little experiment for us. But anyway, it doesn't take away from the value of the topic and conversation that we have. I want to thank you once again for listening, and I do hope that you enjoy this week's episode of the Think Curiously podcast. So, Guy, we're discussing a number of different topics that we are both passionate about and we both think will bring value to the Changemaker conversations. So you've been having a think about some topics that have brought um, sort of some inspiration to your own personal journey and also that have just sort of popped into your head and one of those things was material possessions mm-hmm. so talk me through why that popped into your head and what you were thinking about at the time um, so if you follow any of my socials or any of my podcast socials you'll see I'm quite big into stoicism at the minute 
I've been kind of going through the process of um, the journey behind it, where it came from and trying to get my understanding of it. And that's one of the things that they're quite big on is understanding the difference between what you have in material possessions and that link to happiness. Because I think even in today's society, you see we, we live in a, compar- a world of comparisons. Yeah. Where if, you, if you've got one model of a car and you see that, that next model drive down the road, chances are you're thinking, I want that model. Or you're inquisitive at least to go, I want that car. So where does where does that happiness start? Where does that happiness end? Do we attribute too much happiness on possessions of material things? And is that the reason why when you ask somebody what happiness is, and this sounds like it's to talk about happiness, but, but I'll get to the idea in a minute, is that do we basically attain or attach too much meaning to possessions that are material and probably in the grand scheme of thing, not all of that important. So yeah, <laughs> I do think quite deeply about those, those kind of things and, and reading about stoicism has, has almost delved me a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, I think it is something that is instilled into us from an early age. Like just when you were chatting there, I was thinking back to even at school. I think we brought uh, something up in a, a topic or a discussion recently about um, you know how we were affected by um, the current situation with COVID and all the rest of it. And you know, back in our day, we were using Nokia thirty two tens. But even thinking back to that stage when phones were just coming into play, you had Snake on the phones at the time. But it was always there was someone in your class who had a better model of the phone and you're always aspiring to have that better model because then you would be the cool kid you would be the one who has some technology that the rest of the kids didn't have but where does that come from that's obviously passed down through generation to generation of people wanting better wanting uh, grass is always greener on the other side um and it's that strive to be probably in someone's head the best that they can possibly be (laughs) because they see other people with these materials yeah. that they now want. Yeah, I, I do. I think that a lot of it seems to be, um, it comes, for me, it comes back to the comparison. Mm-hmm. Is that we're never really happy with what we have unless we know it's better than somebody else's. Yeah. You know, it's almost like a little, I don't know what chemical it is. It's like a little shot of whatever it is in your arm when you see that you've got a better model of such and such than somebody else. And maybe at the time you're not quite aware of it, but it's there. Yeah. It's definitely in all of us. Um and certainly when you try and strip back the reason why you do what you do, why you make decisions that you make, which is the process I'm, I'm going on through stoicism, it really does make you sit back and go, what, what, what does it matter what kind of phone I have? I what does it matter? Like I, I had a conversation with um, someone not so long ago. We were talking about, it was um, Poundland have, have just announced they're like a new line of clothes right yes pep and co or something like that yeah yeah and i think it's pretty it's pretty cheap i think it's actually cheaper than Primark too and the question was well why would you ever take clothes out of Primark, like oh or sorry poundland what would make you go in there and that kind of like it made me think well are you are you making that comment based upon what you think others will think of you yeah if you and who's to know who knows if you're wearing a pair of jeans that are from Poundland or, or from Topshop or even they're more expensive than that. Like it's, that's the kind of thing I'm getting point is like, we, we don't need to be constantly focused yeah, on, on that sort of material meaning that is attached to the things we buy. But I think it's, again, it boils back down to, it's something that is drilled into us because even growing up, I remember having a pair of trainers or having a pair of jeans, your friends would always ask you, 
oh, what type of jeans are they? They're always looking for the make, the model. So you would have to justify it then. And if you were to say, turn around and say, oh, they're Levi's. Oh, let's check the label then. Do you yeah. know, because then you'd be lying going, I actually got these in Peps and Co there at Poundland. Yeah. They just launched a new brand. And then they'd be like, you were lying to us about having good jeans. Do you, do you know, know something I mean? that was quite funny is when I was doing the research for the Ted Circles conversation, which is a plug, by the way. Yes. Whatever camera I'm looking at, it's a plug uh, for tomorrow night. Um, but... When I was doing the research, I came across a video on authenticity on TED Talk, and the girl was speaking about her time in school, and there was this like leather jacket that everybody wanted, so she didn't, she couldn't afford it. So what she done was she went and she bought a leather jacket that looked pretty like it, that was a little bit less expensive, and her grandmother or her mother had some kind of sewing machine, so she was able to produce whatever label of clothing brand it was that she wanted, and everybody else had. I was able to stitch onto the coat and was able to go into school and like nonchalantly throw it on the table so other people would notice that it was there yeah. with the label side up so people would see the label. And she was saying like she went from somebody who was not popular, who the popular girls wouldn't speak to, to go to girls going, well, where'd you get that at? That's awesome looking. And she said at that moment, she felt really, really good, really, really high. And then when she looked back on it in later life, it was kind of like, well, I, I'd done that basically to fit in. Yeah. But that whole process is quite a scary process if you are ingrained in that and if you live your life by those principles whereby it's, it is about the brand and it is about that owning that phone or leather jacket or, or whatever it is. Which brings me to the point that we discussed very briefly before we jumped on. Was this idea that I read in a book called The Power of Moments by Dan and Chip Heath. And the idea that we have... It's actually Daniel Kahneman was, was the original author of the research from the book Thinking Fast and Slow, but... Basically, if we separate ourselves into two two selves, mm-hmm. right? We have an experience experiencing self and we have a remembering self, right? So the experiencing self is what we are all doing right now. We're experiencing the moment that we're in. We're not really thinking too much about it and not really thinking about our happiness at this moment in time or really what it means to us. We're just here. And obviously the remembering self is back on hindsight when you look back to it, right? But it almost seems to be, and according to the research, that when you attach meaning to a moment, you don't really understand the meaning of that moment until you look back on it, until it's your remembering self looking back and seeing what happened. Yeah. All right? Because you can sit here and let's just say for this, this is a, an inauguration of some description. It's a celebration of some description that we're having, right? You can say to yourself, I am excited to be here. I am proud of such and such doing this. So if it was you, I would say you're proud of doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you might think to yourself at that moment in time, I'm experiencing a really good moment here. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to let my hair down. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Right. And that's grand. But and you're not really present in your thoughts and you don't really understand them until you look back and you go, actually, you know what? The reason why I enjoyed that was. Yeah. You don't think that at the time. It's when you remember back on it where you believe that. And I suppose what I'm getting at there is that if you think back to something you've bought, like your new phone or your new car or your house and you get that shot of whatever it is cortisol or adrenaline or whatever the the chemical is you don't really have an appreciation for how good that feels at the moment in time until you look back on it right and that that that's that's essentially what i think when we attach too much meaning to getting that material that coat for example that lady spoke about because when she bought it she bought it with the intention to impress others and then when she looked back on it she realized nah that was totally wrong yeah 
No, that's it. But I suppose that's the process of learning and understanding as human beings. It's like if you go as far back as like the cavemen, yeah. it was it was until they went through a process and looked back to realize that that's where the learning came into play because they didn't have books they didn't have anything like that so they had to experience something and learn from it and then to look back on it and go right okay last time i touched that i burnt myself or last time i lifted that it was too heavy and it was that learning and i think it's, it's a similar process in a sense when it comes to memories because we do we take things for granted in that moment until a, a chain of events occur after that moment that get us thinking going I think you had brought up at the start of the conversation or just before where we were discussing things um, about uh, a little girl who all her mates were going to the theme park yeah, and um, obviously she couldn't go because she had to look after her granny but what may have been important in that moment was two three years down the line she could have lost her granny and that was an important moment to her because she seen the value in her family member in her granny and the moments that she spent with them rather than going with her friends who she could go with her friends any weekend any day of the week but the real value was in the moments that really mattered to her and then through that learning and understanding it brought her back to going now i know the value of that as opposed, so it's 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 really what I'm, what I'm not saying as well is that I don't believe you can attach <laughs> meaning to material things. Of course you can. If somebody has passed away and they've left you an old watch or a photo album or whatever it is, that that's grand. I suppose my kind of journey into understanding what it means to attach meaning to material things is that no matter how much we try and separate, um our feelings and our emotions that are attached to that thing, we cannot unseparate our subconscious from comparing it to what other people have. Yeah. That's the thing. That that's that's the thing that I'm trying to understand is why why do we do that? What what is it about what is it about going out to buy that leather coat as the example I gave? What is it that motivates us to do that in order to impress somebody else? You know, wh- where is the connection and how is that process driven where does it come from and how how does it drive our lives because it does i mean we're lucky enough that we're in a situation where we do have the finances that if we do want to go treat ourselves whatever it may be because of our stable work environment stuff we can go do that right and other i understand other people can't do that and that's that almost i think in many ways puts us at a disadvantage or puts whoever you know if you i'm not saying that we're we've got loads of money but what i'm saying is that people who have expendable income probably don't appreciate what they don't have. Yes. Right? Because they can just go get it. Whereas what somebody who doesn't have that probably would would um, attach a little bit more meaning to what others might say are meaningless. Yeah. And, and that, that's the thing that gets me. No, definitely. But I think through everything that's went on over the course of this year um, and beyond has been it's been a real eye opener to people who have been so tunnel vision and they probably have been living their lives where they are looking at material items probably not valuing them as much as you know other people do from lower income backgrounds and what's happening now is we're seeing a complete reversal where we're seeing people who are have been in a secure position for the majority of their adult lives are now finding themselves in difficulties because they're not getting support or they're finding really tough, difficult times and it's unsettling for them because now they're starting to see value in the things they never seen value in yeah. um, and it's not 
chasing that material thing anymore. It's chasing the things that they they need as a necessity. Yeah. So uh, I seen one guy come on LinkedIn and it was really strange for me to see this. A professional coming on saying that uh, the electricity had been cut off in his house and they had no heating um, and they had no access to food. They, they had ran out of money, basically, him and his family. I'm going, this is someone who's had a secure job for his whole adult life, has probably went through that stage of going through school, going to university, uh, getting straight into a job, moving his way up through that job. Now, because there's been a, a global pandemic, he finds himself in a position where all those material things that he's been chasing his whole life mean absolutely nothing to him now and what matters to him is the people that are around him his family and the essential things that are going to keep him alive as a human being so i think for that really sort of hit a nerve with me when i was looking at linkedin of all places on social media seeing someone going like it was a cry for help really yeah yeah. it's not you're right in terms of how the other thing about that story is the fact that he used LinkedIn and not any other social media yeah. because you always see LinkedIn as being that more professional kind of Facebook environment, which is which is um, it's a bit of a, a weird scenario in itself, but that's a different topic of conversation. But um, what I also find interesting about that story you've just said was the fact that he had all of the possessions, right? He had everything that he needed um, in life. He had that secure job and stuff and you're saying now that well the only thing that matters to him is his family and they're secure and that they've got you know the basic needs of of living which comes back to maslow's a hierarchy of needs and nowhere in that does it mention material possessions yeah in order to live a happy life but the the sort of the contrast to that discussion about attaining happiness or attaching happiness sorry and too much meaning to material things is that I think we can allow ourselves to almost attach our character and who we are to those things. And that I think that's the dangerous, the really dangerous part is that if we, uh, if we start to have this impression of ourselves that we have to be the first person to get something, we have to be the early adopters, as Simon Sinek would say, that per- the people who queue outside um, Apple whenever new iPhones out you know the people who are constantly on Amazon looking for the latest uh, PlayStation even before it's released those people who have to have it first and then whenever that's gone they move on to the next thing mm-hmm. and then the next thing and then the next thing and then what happens is when you get to a certain part of your life where either you a, can't afford that stuff or B you've got to the point where you don't know what's next Yeah. then it all comes back to the well what is the driver why do you do it? And that, and that's the fascinating thing about this whole co- topic conversation for me is trying to find out why. Yeah, I, I suppose just from particular experiences and, and things that I can sort of tap into and relate to, um, I think that especially in American culture, and that's just one culture, for example, but there's a, a huge demand on people who need to fill a void. So material possessions fill that void. And if they're seen to be getting the top thing or the top PlayStation, they almost feel as though the fulfilled uh, part of their life that is that may be missing. Yeah. For example, you know, maybe they're not that popular. Maybe they've struggled with particular issues in their own lives. And having that material thing comforts them and comforts how they are as an individual. But um Another thing as well is, um, like you were saying, that the people that queue up for 
the a particular model of something coming out that that's insane that is absolutely crazy i i can honestly say i've never queued up for a playstation game or a playstation do you know what i did do though when i was 12 sports, what? sports house were releasing them you manchester at top and i got the mad or a bed at 12 o'clock then they're gonna get it at well, night. <laughs> fair enough fair enough but i i've i can i can i honestly say unless a family member comes on and corrects me from like my younger years but in my memory i can never remember queuing up or camping or getting yeah, a deck chair out um it's that's insane fair enough i've looked at i've went online and refreshed the page loads of times looking yeah. for tickets for a festival or a, a concert that i really want to go to and the only reason i'm doing that is not to have a material possession it's just how quickly they go yeah yeah but it, it again when i think of people queuing up outside shops or um for a launch of something I always think of America and all and it must be down to the way Americans market yeah they spend billions every year to market their products which then sets off a trigger in people's heads they're spending billions of pounds they need people to queue up they need to create this frenzy they need to create this hype Mm. they need to sort of create this illusion that if you're not there you're not important if you're not here you don't follow our company that's almost what you take from that we we spoke very wrongly briefly about very pl- uh, very coy marketing um, strategies and things, and that's certainly one of them. Is you, you know you you market it in order to drive up attention so that people think they can't do without it. That's they it. Need this in their life. Um, but I suppose the, the whole argument goes back for me. Not argument, sorry. The whole debate uh, goes back to trying to find the reason why I make decisions that I make. And that's where this idea of material possessions came up from. And again, I go back to the stoicism and, and how it's allowed me to almost see my thoughts on a piece of paper that I'd never seen before. You know, it's, it's a weird process when you do it because you you can think of your thoughts, right? And you can articulate your thoughts. But have you ever wrote them down and then looked at them? Because that's a weird experience. Yeah, That's a weird experience. And that whole thing, the, this whole idea of, of how much um, meaning that I attain or I attach to material possessions that I buy or I want or whatever it is that I have, it kind of goes back to, well, am I being me? Am I being myself? And that that whole process of, you can call it self-discovery, you can call it whatever it is you want to call it. A lot of people, I think, look upon it and go, he's just being airy, fairy and fluffy and this has no real meaning. And the, the, the philosophy is just there for people who are intelligent. Mm-hmm. Philosophy is only for people who are intelligent. And man, it's not. Yeah. It is not. It, 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 it does ask you to ask questions of yourself, which is uncomfortable. But if I didn't ask those questions, we wouldn't be having this discussion today about that topic. No, definitely not. Um, but just from what you were saying, I started journaling just in around Christmas time and mm. um, first time I've started to write down sort of my thoughts and, and some of my ideas and like you're saying it is a strange experience because even reading back to the start even Christmas it's what a month ago it's it's insane the change of even my thought process and what was my top priority is maybe like middle of the table now to what my new top priority is and it's crazy how, how quickly that changes yeah. um, in the sense that there's so much goes on in the world. There's so much trying to consume you. There's so much trying to take your attention. Mm. And there's so much trying to drive you to particular products or particular needs or wants. Um, and that's that's what we, we find ourselves in a world like that. And it's basically all digital. It's all driven towards phones, mm. tablets, iPads, um, TVs. Um, and it's through 
companies that are all competing against each other spending hundreds of millions of pounds a year to grab your attention to keep you engaged uh, to drive you towards the products well, um, who, who would have thought 20 years ago that a thing a phone a piece of technology in your hand could trigger chemicals in your head that would keep you addicted to what you're doing yeah it's insane without taking anything in yeah without taking any substance into the body you are addicted just by what you hold in your hand madness isn't it it's crazy but um, I hope that we can continue to have these conversations because these are the ones that I learned from just as I'm sitting here you know because some of the stuff you've spoken about the one at home for me was the LinkedIn guy, LinkedIn, the sort yeah, of LinkedIn, that. LinkedIn because you don't see that stuff on LinkedIn no you don't and you don't see somebody as professional as that air those views and those opinions and that's why I think these these types of conversations call it sofa conversations what you want to call it I know that um, Simon Sinek would call them water cooler conversations you know conversations you have with your workmates around the water cooler yeah. or the tea, uh, tea room whenever you're making tea and stuff the stuff that seems to be off the cuff that isn't planned, that you don't think too much about, you just speak. I think those ones are valuable, that that type of conversation is valuable. That, like, that, that's why I think meeting up with friends for a cup of tea, for a cup of coffee, for a hot chocolate, whatever it is, um, has the value to make you, make you sit back and reflect as well. Because if you don't have those conversations, what kind of thoughts then become next? So that's, that's why I've, I've really, really actually enjoyed this one. Yeah, no, it's been good. Continue to do more of them. For sure, definitely. And just to finish on the LinkedIn thing, um, not your guy's story, but I find more so now than ever, especially within Northern Ireland, people are pulling together more so than they would have beforehand. Um, I find LinkedIn a very daunting place where I actually find myself maybe this time last year, I was trying to create a character for myself so you know I was working in the overseas property I was trying to create a LinkedIn profile that just sold me as a marketing guy working for an overseas property neglecting the valuable things that I actually hold within myself because I was like yeah I'm gonna have too many hats people are gonna get confused and now I'm like no this is me I'm not gonna hide behind someone I'm not but LinkedIn sort of drives you towards going, you need to sell yourself as this professional yeah. person, but I'm not out there looking for some company to hire me. So I've, I've sort of taken a step back and went, I do not give a shit <laughs> what anyone thinks about my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. I'll do what I want to do and I'll share what I want to share. And that is that. But it took me that time. time to do that. So uh, talking about material possessions, I was clutching on to this digital material possession going I need to create this persona for myself in order to tell people that all I do sell over well I don't physically sell overseas property but I help the company to sell overseas property and uh, yeah that was a real eye opener because like you were saying LinkedIn is that sort of place where you go towards to try and big yourself up to be someone that you maybe aren't Aren't. and that, that is the crux of it that is the crux of attaching that meaning to something that is almost meaningless. Yeah. Is that you're trying to be somebody who you're not? And why would you want to live your life as somebody you're not? Why would you want to live your life trying to chase the person that you will never be? Exactly. Or the person that you don't really you're you're basically lying to yourself that yeah. you are at that point in time. For sure. So no. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Like you said, Gary, it's a very relaxed environment, may I add here. It's the candles. The candles I definitely I add have a thing the- that by the way, I don't even know what camera looking at here, but I had I have a thing about candles. It's, yes. They're so relaxing for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but yeah, there you go. So yeah. Plenty more sofa sessions and discussions coming up, hopefully over the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed, yes. 